It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. With Greg Davis. Priority Talk. Welcome to Priority Talk Radio. We are live on this Thursday night. I am Nate Williams with you tonight. Greg Davis is out and we have Stuart in the studio. We are on Mondays through Fridays from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And we want you to call in at 205 941 one zero one one so Stuart I was I was thinking a little bit it's like okay college football is it's over and that is uh, it is a sad thing I know we mourn the loss of a dear friend but you know there are other sports out there you have college basketball on you have the NBA if you're into that uh, you know, eventually, eventually, you'll have baseball. That'll come back. But it got me thinking about Alabama and our sports situation. So we are a college football state, to be sure. To be sure. You have Alabama, Auburn, UAB, other teams. And, and uh, you know, we, we love our college football. However, uh, I realize that we also have three minor league baseball teams, right? You have uh, one in Huntsville, Birmingham, and Montgomery, I believe. So three baseball teams. So we're also a baseball state as well. Uh, You know, a lot of Braves fans, um, you know, if you want to go major leagues. And so, Stuart, I'm going to ask you, do you think that Alabama could support a professional team in the state do you think we have a city that's big enough absolutely i think so we definitely have the passion for it that's for sure i I think so Uh, so i was looking up population numbers because i was just curious about it uh huntsville has about around two hundred and twenty-five thousand people Birmingham has around 211,000 people, so they're decent-sized cities. Um, And then I got to looking at professional teams. What are the smallest cities that have a pro team? Uh, Green Bay is the smallest city from my research, my random research. It has about 105,000 people. I'm like, okay, both Birmingham and Huntsville has twice the number of people that Green Bay has. And Green Bay, well, they have the Packers. Then I looked at another small, small ish city, and you have Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo has about 262,000 people, and it has the, the Buffalo Bills. So I'm with you, Stuart. I think that we could definitely have a pro team in this state between Birmingham and Huntsville. So, okay, now I'll, I'll be more specific. Uh, what what sport would we take on in this state if we had one? Uh, it's definitely down to football or baseball. Yeah. I'm wondering, I, don't know, I feel like with baseball, a lot of 
people in Alabama are Braves fans, so I'm wondering I if was we had wondering a team, that. if we had a team, how many of those people would like? Because if you're a Braves fan, you're not just going to be like, oh, screw this team, not going to, not going to. Yeah, support them you know, you're not a traitor. Yeah. But, but, so, do you think then, football? Yeah, I mean, the, what, what was it? The Birmingham Squadron, I believe it was. The, are, are you talking the USFL team? Yeah, that league last year. That, yeah. Like that that football team that we supported and that definitely got some traction so i definitely i think football is what i'm thinking specifically because i think the braves kind of take up a lot of a lot of mind space when it comes to yes i, I agree i agree i'm i'm married into a braves family and so we we love the braves and 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 so yeah okay you have Braves for baseball, but maybe football. And I just was wondering, okay, now that college football's over, it just got me thinking about sports teams in Alabama. But anyways, we are going to move on. Today Today is a Thursday, and if you are a regular listener of the show, you know that on Thursdays we talk theology. We call them theological Thursdays, and we'll be talking a lot of theology there. We're going to talk about the problem of evil and suffering. If we worship a good God, why is there so much suffering in the world? So we'll talk about that. And then at 6.30, I will be talking to Dr. Greg Jantz about his book, Freedom from Shame. And so we'll be talking about shame and just what it is, how it affects you, where it comes from, and how to heal from it. So that'll happen around 6.30. So Theological Thursdays, those are our two topics on the docket for today but before we get there i just saw a couple news articles that we'll we'll walk through a little bit one was from the daily wire and it's a little tongue-in-cheek but i think it's good for our just our health uh, and and just some good things to keep in mind this is from joseph curl the title goes desantis crushes trump wait trump smashes desantis Polls are useless now, uh, useless nowadays. In just a matter of a few days, two polls came out with completely different findings. One found that President Joe Biden would easily defeat former President Donald Trump in a hypothetical 2024 election matchup, but also found that Biden would lose if he faced Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. A few days later, a morning consult poll found Trump with a 17-point lead over DeSantis in a hypothetical GOP primary matchup. The polls are all over the place. Just take a look at the collection of surveys compiled by Real Clear Politics. Of course, there are still 656 days until Election Day 2024, so it's understandable. But nationwide surveys on politics have been losing cachet uh, for the last few election cycles. There are a bunch of reasons for that, but chief among them are two. Many pollsters insist on using landlines which, you know, people really don't use as much anymore. And millions of Americans, they, they've moved on from those. And number two, many people no longer talk openly about their political views. And so this is now back to me speaking. Y'all, just maybe this is unwise. Y'all tell me what you think. Again, 205-941-1011. But don't let the polls get you down. And... 
Don't let the poles get you too high. You're just going to hear a lot of noise in general. And poles have really been shown to be unreliable. They were very unreliable in 2016, right? You Person after person thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. And then with these most recent midterms, well, there was supposedly going to be a red tsunami, tsunami that at best turned into a red trickle so just be careful you know we polls i know if you're more on the conservative side you probably really don't care to answer polls or you might moderate your views and you'll you'll tend to want to answer the way that the pollster that, that you think the pollster wants you to answer then combine the fact that uh Sample sizes aren't perfect. Also, if, if pollsters are using landlines and you don't have one, well, guess what? They're not going to get to you because they're not using the right technology. I just thought that, you know, just, hey, calm down. When political seasons, they come and they go, just do your thing. Vote for who you want to vote for and uh, just ignore a lot of the noise and so that's kind of the first news headline that caught my eye and then another headline that we'll talk about is spiritual openness is on the rise in america according to barna it's an unprecedented opportunity this is from michael faust Three quarters of U.S. adults say they want to grow spiritually, and more than one, uh, four in ten say they are more open to God than they were before the pandemic, according to a new Barna survey. David Kinneman, CEO of Barna, said that the research reveals a tremendous opportunity for faith leaders. Though religious affiliation and church attendance continues to decline, spiritual openness and curiosity are on the rise, Kinman says. Across every generation, in fact, we see an unprecedented desire to grow spiritually, a belief in a spiritual supernatural dimension, and a belief in God or a higher power. And uh, we read about that in the Bible, that God has placed eternity in our hearts we were made to worship so even as people don't affiliate with let's say certain denominations you have the the nuns the unaffiliated the atheists the agnostic wh whatever you would uh, the the those who are spiritually open however you identify y'all we have a built-in advantage as christians and that built-in advantage is one we have the truth in the existence of god and the power of the Word of God, the Bible, Scripture. So that helps. We have the Holy Spirit. But also, we also have the way that God made us. God made us to worship. God made us to look to the heavens, to look for, I guess, spirituality in some sense. And so we have a natural setting, atheism or strong atheism, positive atheism, the, the belief that, you know, there is absolutely no God. That's not our natural setting. And you'll always have people like that going back to the ancient Greeks. But that's not our natural wiring we are wired to worship. We are wired to look 
for God or something to, to some eschatology. How are we going to turn out some origin? Where did we come from? We are built to try to answer those questions. And so don't lose hope that as uh, Christianity in this country declines, we want that to be reversed, of course, but still evangelize, reach out with the gospel. People are open to spiritual conversations and they want to grow spiritually. They are open, uh, more open to God today, according to this Barna survey, than they were before the pandemic. I think that is encouraging. Friends, this is Theological Thursday. We will be talking about evil and suffering coming on up, and we will also be talking about shame. I'll be joined by Dr. Greg Jantz, and, and we will talk about his book, Freedom from Shame, and we'll talk about that very, very important topic. This is WXJ Radio, Priority Talk. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We will be right back. Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser, and that's Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment, 256-739-3337. That's Today's Family Dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment, 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry in downtown Coleman. Are you listening or just joined us? Guess what? It's time to call Greg at 205-941-1011. This is Michael Landon, Jr. You're listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. How can they live without Jesus? This is Priority Talk Radio. I was talking with Stuart. I love that song. I just wanted to let it keep playing. Stuart, what song is this? Yep, that is How Can They Live Without Jesus by Keith Green. Oh, I love it. I, I've heard it before. I didn't know the name. Anyways, I was just going to let that let that roll for a little bit. We are on Mondays through Fridays from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. If you miss anything, make sure to check out our podcast, Priority Talk, from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, I am your host, Nate Williams, for tonight. Greg Davis is out, but he will be back soon. I encountered another article that I thought was very fascinating. And so I'm going to talk about it with you. The shortcomings of extroverted pastors and how to overcome them. And, I, and here's why I thought it was interesting. When it comes to pastoral ministry, 
we often talk about the, the, the downfalls or the downsides to being an introverted pastor, right? Introverted means, I guess, among other things, that you recharge your battery by being alone, by yourself, that you do better maybe in contemplation sometimes, uh, maybe lower key settings. There are different ways of defining being introverted. But we often don't talk about extroverted pastors because we think, well, being a pastor involves a lot of people. So if you're extroverted and your battery is just recharged, you feel refreshed and renewed when you're around people, well, then the job must be so easy for you and there might be, there might not be any downsides. And so I saw this article, I was like, oh, I have to read it. Then after I read it, I was like, oh, I have to talk about it. And so what are some downsides to being an extroverted pastor and uh, what can you do about that? Some of the downsides. Extroverts can talk too much. This is on the Christian Post. Again, the article, The Shortcomings of Extroverted Pastors and How to Overcome Them. Uh, Number one, extroverts can talk too much. Well, okay. You often think that talking is a good thing in a social job, and it is. You need to be able to make casual conversation. You want to be friendly, inviting, warm, welcoming, and all that. But you can talk too much, and you shut people down. Number two, extroverts can bounce too much. And I can relate to this one because I'm a more extroverted person, not as extroverted as I used to be in high school and college when I was just all over the place. I had a million friends. Now I, I married someone who is very introverted and that has kind of rubbed off on me to where I'm still extroverted just not as much as I used to be and I would just bounce from friend group to friend group conversation to conversation and I found it exhilarating but the problem with this is as noted in the article this tendency can come across as superficial especially when someone needs me to focus deeply on their words. So sometimes you need to be able to lock in, to focus in on one person and talk to them and and, and focus all your attention on them. And extroverts can, those who bounce around can find that difficult. Extroverts can overshare opinions. So sometimes if you're more extroverted, you can be very opinionated. You can say something about everything and you can overshare and uh, the the words here the the come on by the more the merrier mentality is not always wise you know always wanting the groups to be bigger uh, social interactions to be larger and more 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 yeah, it can be detrimental because uh, you can overshare opinions sometimes uh, you know uh, going into our next uh, point extroverts can assume every group needs to be large you overshare you make groups larger than they need to be and i kind of mixed points there but y'all get what i'm saying you uh just sometimes you have an opinion you don't need to say it sometimes you're in a small group you don't need to make it larger there are just things that you need to be careful with the more the merrier mentality, both with your words and your opinions, it can kind of come back to bite you. So what are some things that extroverts can 
watch out for? What can they what can they do to avoid these issues? <laughs> the first thing that said in the article is literally stop talking. Sometimes you need to have that mental clock that says, okay, you've talked this much. Just stop it. Cut it out. Be quiet. Uh, then, uh, you know, another tip is when you feel the urge to move on to another person in a crowded room, stay five more minutes in the current conversation. Just zone in. Another thing you can do is ask more questions instead of giving opinions. Short but rich questions allow the other person to expound their thoughts. Questions like, why do you think that is? Or how does that make you feel? Or what do you feel about that? Help to open avenues to better conversations. And then finally, seek out the wisdom of introverts. Find the reserved sages in your church and spend a lot of time one-on-one -on -one with them. Y'all, we have a lot to learn from our introverted brothers and sisters. You don't need to be the life of the party. You don't need every social group to incorporate a million people. Just having one, two, three people will be okay. You don't have to share every opinion. Ask questions, listen well, dive in, zero in on people or a person, give them your full attention. And like I said, this article caught my attention because we often uh, point out introverted pastors, why can't you be better? Why can't you do more? And they have their own strengths. Being an introverted pastor, be a, being able to meditate, think deeply in private, to study and research, those are needed skills. And extroverted pastors, well, they have their obvious strengths as well. It's great to be able to be with lots of people, to talk easily, to be warm and welcoming, but there are also downsides. What are your thoughts? Y'all make sure to call in 205 941 one zero one one and make sure to text in as well if you are on our text line i can interact with you there i can read your texts again it'll be private i'm not going to say your name i might not even have your name because in the text line i only get your number but anyways friends we will be right back on the other side of this break where we will talk about evil suffering shame on this theological thursday you don't want to miss it Hey, this is Greg, and ever since the first time I visited Israel in 1999, I've encouraged others to also experience the land of the Bible for themselves. I'm wondering if you've ever dreamed of visiting the Holy Land and walking where Jesus walked. If so, why don't you pray about touring Israel with me in the summer of 2023? We will experience a 10-day pilgrimage that will include visiting biblical sites around the Sea of Galilee and actually taking an inspirational boat ride on the same waters that Jesus walked upon. We will also visit the holy sites in the city of Jerusalem, including Golgotha and the Garden Tomb. You'll also experience the Dead Sea and many significant Old Testament sites. The Bible will come alive to you like never before. Are you interested at all? Email me, greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com, and I'll share with you much more information about this trip of a lifetime. Email me, greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com, for more information on traveling with me to the Holy Land in summer of 2023. And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like... Hey, 
Hey, welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. We are live on this Thursday night. Uh, this is Nate Williams speaking. Greg Davis is out. We have Stuart in the studio, and it's Theological Thursday. And so now I'm going to turn slightly to uh, some, some theological points that we'll talk about. We're going to talk about evil and suffering. And then at 6.30, I'll be talking to Dr. Greg Jantz about his book, Freedom from Shame. What is shame? Where does it come from? How do we heal from it? it it'll be a great conversation. You don't want to miss it. And as I was just thinking about the topic for tonight, a couple, a couple things came across as I was researching. This is a very, it's Theological Thursday, so it's all spiritual, right? We are spiritual beings, but when it comes to evil and suffering, there's a spiritual element there. There's a spiritual world that we interact with. I, I, was, uh, I saw this story by Billy Hollowell titled A House of Demons, Ex-Psychic Reveals Scary Reality of Occult, How Jesus Broke Through the Darkness. An ex-psychic recently discussed the huge consequences and terror she faced while engaging in the occult for decades. There was a lot of fear, anxiety. I was raising my daughter this way in a house of demons. When I was 12, I started having these premonitions. And so there were these visions and dreams that came true and they weren't very profound, but very odd. I was a kid. I had no idea what to make of it. But when Nizza, I, if I'm pronouncing that right, I don't know if it's Nizza or Nizza, like pizza. I have no idea. But when she turned 13, she took it a step further, walking through a demonic door and having her first tarot card reading. When she and her sister received that reading, she was immediately enthralled by what she experienced. After I had that reading, I was so intrigued by it, I wanted more. So I started seeking out psychic readers. My sister and I ended up getting our own decks of tarot cards. And then so on and so forth. She said, I just went down the rabbit hole of being a clairvoyant. Tarot card readers, psychic advisors, numerology, astrology, and I would keep going and getting these charts done. And eventually, the, the article goes on to say how she found Jesus, or really... Jesus reached out to her. And so we want to keep in mind that we live in a very spiritual world, right? You know, we talk, uh, talk about Ephesians 6. We talk about the armor of God being wary of Satan's tactics to grab us, deceive us, twist the truth, because that will lead to pain and suffering. And so you can have very obvious, explicit demonic activity in the case of the occult, but also there are examples of, uh, you know, Satan using addictions. It doesn't have to necessarily be psychic readings and demonic presences and seeing demons. That happens. You can be exposed to that world explicitly and directly. But sometimes the way that it manifests itself is through addictions and vices. I came across another article by Leonardo Blair that talks about this. A decline in church attendance drove deaths of despair among middle-aged white population. 
Deaths by drugs, alcohol, and suicide, known as deaths of despair, dramatically increased among middle-aged white Americans in the late 20th century due to lower participation in organized religion that was preceded by a repeal of blue laws that prohibited commercial activities on Sunday, a new study from the National Bureau of Economic Research shows. I remember, I think it was a couple uh, weeks ago, when I was pronouncing words, sometimes on the radio, you come across a word on the spot, and your mind just completely glitches or blanks on how to pronounce it. I pronounced bureau, I think it was like, <laughs> burrow. Stewart's laughing at me, and he's just, you sad child-ing me with his facial expressions. Um, growing up, Stewart, did you have any words that you mispronounced that you didn't realize you mispronounced? I, one word for me was library. I, you know, instead of library. That, that, I feel like that's a common one. Yeah. Did you have any? Oh, I'm trying to think of some. Another one was instead of bathing suits, it was, I, I said, uh, bathing suits because the mm -hmm. TH I just wasn't good at pronouncing in the beginning. Oh. oh, I think I got pneumonia and pneumonia mixed up all, <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah, that's one. I'm trying to think what else. Anyways, as a child, you don't hear things correctly or you can't always pronounce words. And so that's uh, that's often the case. But when you are a 26-year-old, uh, you know, y'all, I'm anxious at 26 years old. I'm just, it's downhill. I peaked in college, uh, maybe even high school it's just man i'm ancient but when you pronounce bureau as buru <laughs> that's just rough i think it was a couple weeks ago i just went back and realized wow that is awful anyways enough of my uh, mispronunciation but it happens from time to time when your job is literally to talk but going on with this study going back to our our subject of just uh, deaths of despair drugs alcohol and suicide it's rising in i guess middle america middle-aged white population and there are various reasons for that but one of them is uh you know, just lack of organized religion that you don't have anything to cling to there's not a social fabric to encourage you no community uh, when you have just uh what's another thing going on lack of jobs as industries change and they morph and small towns lose their jobs uh, various cities lose their jobs as as they move out to other countries or uh, you know it's shipped out overseas maybe just that industry due to technological advancement that industry's just not needed anymore People despair in middle America, middle-aged white populations as jobs decrease. And what do you turn to? You turn to the bottle, alcohol. You turn to drugs, various types of drugs, you, you know, marijuana, other drugs. And then you turn to suicide because there's no hope. We often talk about cities turning away from God. We often talk about the next generation turning from God, uh, whether it's woke things, atheism, uh, campuses turning away. But what happens when you have traditionally conservative areas 
country areas, rural America. What happens when they turn away from God? You might, they might not become hippies and hipsters meeting in coffee cafes. What do they do? And you often see in middle America just a turn to, to addictions and vices, just spiritual depressions, that there's no hope, there's no future for this town, this family, this city. And so you just turn to addictions and vices to pass the time and to deal with it. Uh, let's see. In the article, uh, Case and Deaton said they examined suggestions that the deaths among working class middle-aged whites were the result of poor incomes, but that factor alone could not comprehensively explain the phenomena. Many commentators have suggested that the poor mortality outcomes can be attributed to slowly uh, growing, stagnant, and even declining incomes. We evaluate this a possibility, excuse me, this possibility, but find that it cannot provide a comprehensive explanation. In particular, the income profiles for blacks and Hispanics whose mortality has fallen are no better than those for whites, nor is there any evidence in the European da data that mortality trends match income trends in spite of sharply different patterns of median income across countries after the Great Recession. Using shocks based on the repeal of blue laws, we then demonstrate that negative shocks to religious practice had relatively large impacts on deaths from poisonings, suicides, and liver cirrhosis for middle-aged Americans in the late 20th century. And so, y'all, there are going to be a variety of factors. Beware of people that say, there's only one var variable. Point to this one thing. But across the country, as people don't associate with religion, or that association has gone down, it has effects on society. Religion gives people hope. Christianity in particular, in particular, man, English is difficult, in particular, has given people a lot of hope that we look to a future through the gospel of a time when there will be no more pain, suffering, death. We re, uh, read this in Revelation 21 and 22, that God will wipe the tears away from our eyes, that, that there is something that we can look to. History is heading in a certain direction, and it gives us hope. But where there is no hope, there is despair, and Satan loves that tying into our previous conversation there's a lot of demonic activity that can be manifested through addictions and vices y'all the the lines are quiet tonight i want to hear your thoughts how can we turn this thing around as people are addicted and people are despairing what do we do Call in 205-941-1011. Make sure to check out our podcast, Priority Talk, on Apple, Spotify. This is FM 101.1 and AM 850. WXJC Radio, Priority Talk. We will be right back. Priority Talk. Often marketing agencies make high promises with low delivery. Business owners have been burnt by these types of companies time and time again. Dot Edison Marketing is built on integrity. They retain customers four times the industry average. 
move past multiple vendors, lost time, lost money. Contact Dot Edison Marketing and find your marketing partner with integrity at its core. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at DotEdison.com. This is Greg, and I want you to know about my friend Jeff Harding and Alabama Reliable Roofing. Your local roofing expert since 1998, Alabama Reliable Roofing provides residential and commercial clients with exceptional roofing services. Jeff and his experienced team are well-equipped to provide repairs and installations of shingle and metal roofs. Look, I know the importance of a roof and that it's one of the biggest investments you make in your home, place of business, or church facilities. Alabama Reliable Roofing understands this as well and has the experience to work with your insurance company in case of storm damage. So whether your roof has suffered from storm damage and needs repairs, or it just may be time for a new roof, you need an inspection to determine the next steps. Company owner Jeff Harding is waiting on your phone call and will be personally involved with every job. Call him at 205-369-9630 for a no-obligation conversation and a free estimate. Look at their work on the Alabama Reliable Roofing Facebook page and then call Jeff at 205-369-9630. Alabama Reliable Roofing, 205-369-9630. It's time to pick up that phone and call Greg right now at Priority Talk at 205-941-1011. Hey everybody, this is Kurt Cameron and you're listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. to the darkness you're the only right among the wrong this is priority talk radio we are live on a thursday night y'all make sure to call in 205-941-1011 and a question i have for y'all is when someone asks you about evil and suffering, what do you say? When someone asks you, why does God allow evil and suffering? Or if God's so good, why is there so much pain? What do you say? Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a youth student in the church. Maybe it's, uh, really, could be anyone. And I want to hear your thoughts because I'm going to share mine. This is a Theological Thursday, and so we will be talking about evil, suffering, and then at 6.30, we'll be talking about shame. Y'all make sure to call in or text. You can also text as well. Now, if you text, make sure to use the letters P-T-R to the number 202-249-249. 5592 and then from there you can have a response when when people ask you about evil and suffering what do you say why is there evil and suffering in the world and the first thing that i say on this topic is that you have to be discerning when it comes to how you answer oftentimes as an apologist My first thought is I want to give an intellectual, logic-based, reason-based answer that will help to just solve all the problems, make it go away, and just check off that box. 
But that doesn't always work depending on the person doing the asking. Why does God allow evil and suffering? Sometimes a person is struggling and it's more of a heart issue than a head issue. So when they ask that, sure, they may or may not actually want an answer, but what they want more is comfort. Is God here? Is God present? Does God exist? Does he love me? And it's more of a heart issue than a head issue. And with those people personally suffering, maybe it's abuse, divorce, betrayal, physical illnesses, injuries, pain, whatever it might be, you have to walk with them, love them through what they're going through. And maybe an intellectual answer is not really necessary. And they have to come to various conclusions themselves. So make sure you're discerning. Then also you could make the other mistake, which is the flip side, where you want to love them, be with them, walk with them through the issue. That's great. But you don't actually satisfy their intellectual questions. And so you want to just pay attention to who is doing the asking. But again, I want to hear your thoughts. There is an emotional part of this issue that you have to respect. I was giving a pro-life presentation, I think it was last night at my church. We were having uh, just a conversation on apologetics topic, evil, uh, no, it was the pro-life topic and abortion. And I was talking to someone after the class was over and he said, man, I'm still hung up on this issue because I understand the logic and the reason part of it. I get what you're saying, but man, it's just when it comes to the rape and incest emotionally, it's just so hard to process this topic, how to love a child, to to have a mother carry a, a child in her womb who was the product of rape or incest. That's just very difficult to tell a woman you're going to have to do that. And I grant it's full emotional weight. Y'all, it's a cruel world, and women don't ask for those things to happen to them. It's awful. And so uh, when you deal with some of these things, just understand that there are emotions that are just feelings, genuine, legitimate feelings that you have to be aware of, and they, that you have to work through things on your own timeline. And uh, what might y'all say to that uh, emotionally? What is a way that you have helped someone through great suffering? Not saying that you suffered for them necessarily. They have to suffer on their own in a way. They have to work through these things on their own. You, you walk with them through it. You can't take that pain and suffering away. But what did you say? What did you do that helped the issue? Now, let's say you want to call in. And you are that person suffering or that used to suffer. Well, what helped you? I want to hear your thoughts. But now turning to the intellectual side of things, I'm going to give y'all several good answers that in a 
I don't want to say debate, but sometimes there, you will debate. In an argument, in a conversation, someone says, oh, if God's so good, why is there evil and suffering? Well, these are things that you can say. Number one, when people ask the question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Number one, there are no good people. It sounds harsh because we live in a world where, you know, you got your good people, your bad people, your criminals, your law-abiding citizens. Sure, that's true on a earthly human sense. You got good people, bad people, but really there's it's different different shades of gray in my opinion. But according to the Bible, Romans 3:23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, they're technically in the truest sense, there are no good people that we know that for our sins that we have done against a holy and righteous God, we deserve punishment. We deserve to be eternally separated from God. God is good. God is perfect, holy, righteous, mighty, wonderful, majestic, holy. I probably already said holy, but I said, I'll say it again. And compared to God, in our sins, we've, we are, uh, I guess, we are set apart from God. Where uh, I don't mean set apart for God. That's used in a Christian sense of sanctification. Before we're saved, we are removed far from God because of our sins. And there's a broken relationship. And so there are no good people. We need to keep that in mind. Then I guess another thing I'll say is that evil and suffering because of our sin, it's really our fault. God gave us free will. We can choose to obey him and we can choose to rebel against him. You know, I think about Adam and Eve in the garden. Well, we used our free will. We abused it. We misused it. Uh, we read in Joshua 24, verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord." Now, uh, there, Joshua is encouraging the people of God to choose to serve the Lord. However, we can use our free will against God. God is sovereign and all-powerful. He is mighty. And one of the things that he could do was give us free will, and he did, starting with the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve used that free will to rebel. And as a punishment, we read about the curse, right? That, you know, it would be tough to work the land and there would be childbirth. There would be marital strife as a result of our sin. And isn't that so true? That Think about it. Yes, some things are outside of our control, our, our direct individual, small-scale control. So, for instance, if I'm driving and I'm doing my thing, I'm being alert, I am paying attention i'm you know got gas in the tank and my car is working fine i'm, I'm kind of doing what i can control and then a drunk driver hits me i didn't use my free will for that pain and suffering 
but you know who did use their free will against, you know, against me, really, and against God uh, as a sin. That drunk driver chose to be drinking that day, then chose to get in the car, chose to drive, and ultimately hit me. We use our free will and uh, it results in evil and suffering. So it's our fault. Now, at this point, you might be like, okay, you know, again, I'm thinking apologetics a little bit. Someone might say, what about natural disasters? We'll get to that. You don't ask for a tsunami to hit you, right? You don't ask for uh, hurricanes and tornadoes. And so, well, is God at fault then? The answer also is no. And I will tell you why on the other side of this break coming up. But I want to hear your thoughts. Evil and suffering, how do you answer it? How do you respond? If you've gone through some terrible, traumatic things, uh, how did you heal from them? What is your response to evil and suffering? Make sure to call in 205-941-1011. This is Priority Talk Radio, live on a Thursday night. We are on Mondays through Fridays, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. We will be right back. Hey, this is Greg, and ever since the first time I visited Israel in 1999, I've encouraged others to also experience the land of the Bible for themselves. I'm wondering if you've ever dreamed of visiting the Holy Land and walking where Jesus walked. If so, why don't you pray about touring Israel with me in the summer of 2023? We will experience a 10-day pilgrimage that will include visiting biblical sites around the Sea of Galilee and actually taking an inspirational boat ride on the same waters that Jesus walked upon. We will also visit the holy sites in the city of Jerusalem, including Golgotha and the Garden Tomb. You'll also experience the Dead Sea and many significant Old Testament sites. The Bible will come alive to you like never before. Are you interested at all? Email me. Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com and I'll share with you much more information about this trip of a lifetime. Email me, Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com for more information on traveling with me to the Holy Land in summer of 2023. It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. With Greg Davis. Priority Talk. Good news, Christian values. That's what we talk about here at Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. Greg Davis is out for tonight, and we have Stuart in the studio. Stuart, I have a question for you. Um, do you have any desire to own chickens for the purpose of laying eggs really random but dude how did you know oh i oh i just uh, i read your diary last night yeah like that's my dream right there okay just have some natural eggs every day yes i just 
watched Spawn myself. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why I ask that is I'm just looking across the news. Egg prices are going up. And I'm like, uh, okay, do, do you like eggs? Are you, uh, you know, boiled eggs, scrambled eggs, whatever? Yeah, uh, over easy scrambled eggs. Yeah, I like eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just like, man, egg prices are going up. I see an article titled, um, Egg Seizures Spike at Southern Border. Its prices soar across the United States. I saw in California, I think it was like, Egg prices were like eight or nine dollars per dozen. Maybe that's wrong, y'all. Man, those prices are rough. But anyways, back to our topic for uh, this theological Thursday. Y'all know that you can follow us uh, online, uh, social media, at Priority Talk. Also, we have a website. It's uh, been recently redone. It looks really good. PriorityTalkRadio.com. Make sure to follow us there on the website and our social media. But anyway, anyways, on Thursdays, for those of you just joining, we often talk theology. And for today, I'm talking about pain and suffering. And then at 6.30, I will welcome on Dr. Greg Jantz, and we'll talk about his book, Freedom from Shame. And we'll talk about shame, what it is, where it comes from, and what you can do about it. And that'll be a great conversation. But anyways, continuing on with how to answer. Someone goes to you and they ask, well... Why does God allow evil and suffering? Why is there so much pain in the world? Uh, I went through a couple answers before the break, but here we are. In this second hour of the show, I'm going to keep on going. Uh, Number three, if you want God to get rid of evil and suffering, he would have to start with you. Now, we don't like that because we want to assume, oh, it's all the other people that are, uh, you know, that are bad. You, You talk about human traffickers maybe uh, let's see who else would be bad various criminals murderers murderers rapists whatever and you're like oh just god do away with those people well okay let's say he does well then guess what you would have other evil things we would consider you know well thieves maybe okay what about you know going down all the way down to uh, I guess jaywalkers. Would we get rid of jaywalkers? Uh, whatever it w- might be, there's a lot of things wrong with this world. And we know that from the Bible that we're all evil. We're all wicked. And what being in a first world country has done, being a part of a developed society, if I can put it that way, what all that's done is that's just been a mask, a perfume, a makeup on the corpse you know that we are evil people on the inside and what technology does and living in a civilized society is that you just put a mask on that and then we get to act like we're not evil we're not wicked because look at me i'm just a normal lower class middle class upper class person i don't do two things that are too bad but if you were to strip all that away technology society our comforts of life and we were put in some very difficult situations, that natural savagery that's inside of all of us would come out. And so if you wanted God to get rid of evil and suffering, well, you and I are evil. The Bible is very clear on that. We're full of sin. God would have to get rid of you and me. 
James 4, verses 1 and 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. From whence comes, comes fightings and quarrels and all that, they, they come from our desires. Our hearts are imperfect, full of sin, and we're just selfish. We are just selfish people, but by the grace of God. So if you want God to get rid of evil and suffering, he would have to start with you and me. I, I uh, compare it to people who think the world is overpopulated. You'll have the people that are like, oh, so many humans on earth and there's not going to be enough resources, la la la. Completely ridiculous. Absolute nonsense. But often they'll suggest that it's other people that have to change. They'll fly in on their private jets that will consume a lot of fuel. They'll live in their mansions. They'll teach at some cozy academic position at some college. And it's everyone else that needs to change, but no, they're going to keep their lifestyle. Uh, it's like, man, the world is overpopulated, so other people need to change. Well, if the world's overpopulated, why don't you start with you? I don't advocate suicide. Please don't actually start with you, but I'm just trying to expose the hypocrisy. Number four, if you want God to remove evil and suffering, what are you doing about it? Or are you just complaining? Are you volunteering with your nights and your weekends? What about your job? Is your job at a nonprofit where you're trying to actively make the world a better place? Or are you just trying to make money? Now, again, I'm not trying to guilt trip you. I'm not. You got to pay the bills. I get that. You got to provide for your family. But if you are complaining about evil and suffering and you go home when the workday is over and you sit on your butt and you watch TV, rinse, repeat, and on the weekends you just hang out with friends and play video games and stream shows and then you're going to complain god there's so much evil and suffering in the world and god's like i gave you to the world what are you doing about it because i bet if all eight billion people eight billion people Stuart, is that how many people are on earth right now is it is it eight now is it eight I'm not sure. I, I, we crossed some sort of uh, some sort of number recently. I think it was eight billion. Maybe I'm wrong. Whatever. Anyways, if eight billion people in the world all devoted themselves to making this world a better place versus just talking in cliches, the world would be a better place. Now, again, we're sinners, so you can't remove all evil and suffering. But there's a difference between murder versus theft versus a white lie versus a mean look maybe if eight billion people committed themselves to not being evil you might have less murder i don't know that's a thought so if you want god to remove evil and suffering what are you doing about it Friends, I want to hear your thoughts. Make sure to call in 205-941-1011 when people ask you about evil and suffering. Why does God allow it? Why does it exist? What do you say? This is WXJC Radio Priority Talk. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We will be right back. Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser, and that's today's family dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. 
Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment. 256-739-3337. That's today's Family Dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment. 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry in downtown Coleman. Hello, I'm Norm Geisler. You're listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk Live. Another great song coming out of that break. And I did not know that Greg Davis has talked to Norm Geisler. He is one of my favorite thinkers, a very important philosopher and apologist. So I'm going to have to talk with him about that. I did not, I was not aware of that. But anyways, this is Priority Talk Radio live on this Thursday night. We are on Mondays through Fridays from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Continuing on with our conversation about how do we answer the problem of evil and suffering. Uh, number five, there are reasons for suffering, but we may not always know what they are and to be honest we may never know now when i say this you you never leave this by itself it is a legitimate answer but you don't leave it by itself because we have other good answers but sometimes we don't know why god allows evil and suffering and you have to trust god uh, job 2 verse 10 shall we accept good from god and not trouble so God allows uh, sometimes evil to happen and we're not always sure why and then finally number six I call this the Job defense and now uh, I need to talk to fellow apologists about this is this any good I, I kind of came up with this one and uh, it takes a little bit of a setup to kind of get where I'm going. But this is called the Job defense. And what it is, is that uh, God has a job description, right? If you're God, you have to take care of uh, nature. You have to take care of people. You know, you create, you interact, you provide. God has a certain job description that you, you give people purpose. You have your, your God's will, God's plan for humanity and the world. God has a job description. This is what it means to be God. And when we rejected God in the Garden of Eden, because remember, Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. That was the great appeal of the fruit. Uh, Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. When you and I reject God, say, hey, God, no, no, no. I'll take you from here. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live. Uh, God, I want to sleep with who I want to sleep with. I want to live how I want to live. And I don't need you. God says, okay, fine. Have it your way. Do what you want. Do as you please. Sleep with who you want to sleep with. Uh, live how you want to live. Do have your own addictions and vices. But 
there is a catch. The catch is if you are rejecting me, that means that you are God now. You're the one giving your own life meaning. You're the, own, you're the one deciding what right is and wrong is for yourself. You are God now. Okay, have at it. You are your own little puny God. Good luck. And then you know what happens? Tornadoes happen. Women are raped. Children starve. There's cancer. Uh, tsunamis, hurricanes, earthquakes. And we go, God, where are you? There are these natural disasters and human-made disasters. God, uh, I thought you existed. I thought you were good and loving. And God says, hold on now. You're God. You stop the hurricanes, the tsunamis, the earthquakes, the, the tornadoes. You stop women from being raped. You stopped all, all the pain in the animal kingdom, animals mauling each other. You stop children from uh, starving and, and, and cancer from happening. You're God now. You took my job description upon yourself without even realizing it. And we say, well, God, that's not fair. I can't stop tsunamis and hurricanes and tornadoes. I can't stop all the pain and brutal carnage in the animal kingdom and cancer. And God says, no, you can't because you make for a terrible God. Give me my job back. I am God. That was my responsibility that you took upon yourself. I'm supposed to protect the widow, the orphan. That was me. But you said you didn't need me. And so I handed you my job description and you are terrible at it. That is called the Job defense. And so you see why it takes a little bit of a setup to explain. But I think it's very effective. But I want to hear your thoughts. And uh, we see that uh, the scriptural support is in Job 38 and you know, Job 42, where, where God responds and he's like, hey, Job, be a man. Answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely, you know, who stretched a measuring line across it. And then uh, verse 17, have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Can you bind the chains of the, okay, this is pronunciation, I'm sorry, uh, Pleiades, or I think that's how you pronounce it. Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? These are rhetorical questions. Job, obviously, as a man, cannot do any of those things. He can't plumb the depths of the ocean. He can't tame the Leviathan. And God is saying to Job, you are not God. You are questioning me. You are blaming me in a way for these things. You're not God. You don't have my job description. You wouldn't understand. Then how does Job respond? This is chapter 42 in verse 2. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Now note Job's humility here. It's beautiful. 
Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job's humility in the, in the face of... A lot of people would say some of his questions were pretty fair. If you had boils and sores and you'd lost a lot of your family and your property and your cattle and all these terrible things are happening, Job had some fair questions, but he ultimately realized God is God and we are not. I kind of go to a dog example. When you take your dog to the vet for shots... Does your dog understand? I know mine didn't. I had a little West Highland White Terrier, Westy, named Teddy. I love that dog. Teddy lived for around 14 years. Goodness, I love that dog. But you know, Teddy did not understand when I when we would take him to the vet. He didn't understand shots. He didn't understand medicine. He didn't know what was going on. But we knew as humans, his owners, we would take him to the vet because we wanted him to feel better. And so even though there was pain and suffering at times, it was a pain and suffering that he wouldn't understand. We saw the bigger picture that he could not. And we said, hey, Teddy, it's going to be okay. You just got to trust us. And I feel like on this topic, we have good answers. I've given you several Feel free to use them. But ultimately, on the deepest level, or maybe maybe not the deepest level, maybe the, the widest lens, when it comes to God's overall plan for humanity, eschatology, where are we going? What is God doing with all this nonsense in the world? Well, we have to trust him. We have to trust him that God is good. He will take care of us. I don't know why you're suffering individually. We have a lot of broken relationships. We have a lot of people that have uh, terminal illnesses, a lot of pain and suffering. And I don't know why God is allowing you to go through those things individually. I don't have the individual answer for your life. But all we have is trust and faith that God gave us the gospel. He sent us Jesus Christ, who experienced pain and suffering. Jesus died for our sins. He knows. And we look forward to a time in the future, again, that beautiful book of Revelation, when it's no longer going to be like this. There will be no more pain and suffering. God will wipe the tears from our eyes. Y'all. I didn't even get to the other side of this issue of how pain and suffering and evil are evidence. that There's evidence for the existence of God. We can talk about it from that angle as well. How in order for there to be pain and suffering, for there to be evil, bad, wrong, immorality, you have to have God as the standard for that. I didn't even get to the flip side. 
Friends, you want to make sure to stay tuned in to this show because on the other side of this break, I will be talking to Dr. Greg Jantz about his book, Freedom from Shame. It's a toxic emotion, shame is. We all have it. We all struggle with it to some degree. What do we do with it? What is it? How does it affect us? Affect us? Where does it come from? And importantly, how do we heal from it? That's my uh, going to be uh, my conversation with Dr. Greg Jantz on the other side of this break. You don't want to miss it. This is WXJC Priority Talk Radio. We will be right back. <laughs> 